Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty. The podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good, my friend. You know, just uh, brought our son home from the hospital finally Congratulations on Sunday. Congratulations on that, man. Um, so it was a long three weeks uh, in the NICU for my son, but finally home, so... Losing a little more sleep than I was before, yeah. but definitely glad he's home and yeah, just kind of full circle getting the whole family together. I yeah. love that for you. You know, I do just have to ask like mentally, emotionally, you know, in that period of time, just kind of how are you feeling and how are you handling everything? I'm handling it well for Xavier. It wasn't like, um, like a life threatening situation. It was mm-hmm. more so he was, he was just born a few weeks early. So it was more so working on getting his feedings to where it needed to be. He was supposed to be eating like 80% of his feeding 80% mm-hmm. of the time. So that was a challenge just because he was eating what he needed to for us. But when the nurses were feeding him, he wouldn't really eat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it kind of messed the numbers up. But we just had to kind of hunker down in the NICU and just get it done absolutely he it took a little bit of time to learn that everybody eat because everybody food <laughs> yeah, right everybody gotta eat you know <laughs> what i'm saying but no he's doing really good uh it's a blessing and excited just to get into the life as a family of four mm-hmm. like with him being in the hospital and even during pregnancy it's kind of like a waiting game especially yeah. as the father you know you don't get that same connection with your your baby as they're growing in their mother's womb so yeah it's it's a little different it doesn't really always hit you right away and even then um you might not even feel like you have that instant connection it kind of takes time yeah honestly to have that bond and connection with your kid but it's all worth it man understandable i love it how have you been i've been great man um gosh this this last week has been an adventure i mean obviously um, we've been meeting quite often. There's a few things with overstep and poverty that's going to come out, uh, here shortly that we're super excited about yep. on top of that, just as far as just career field, uh, my life in general, just things as, as going into motion, you know, it, it just feels like everything's right. Everything's in the right place. Uh, so I, I can't complain, you know, I, you know, I'm blessed. And, uh, this, uh, I know this, once this airs, People are going to know exactly what the gender of our, our baby is going to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited because tomorrow we get to go in and we get to do the process of that. This is the first time I'm going through all this. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what to expect, but I, like, I'm just expecting just super great, great things that I can yeah. be grateful for. Uh, but on top of that, you know, on Thursday we get to host Thanksgiving and we also get to do our gender reveal then. And, and it's something that's been super special for me. And that I've been looking forward to for quite some time here, you know, so I'm excited. I'm super excited. That's awesome, man. And I have to ask you before we get into this and introduce, uh, yeah, introduce our special guests for this episode. I have to ask you the same question as you guys are going through all this with the trials and tribulations that you guys have gone through to get to this point. How are you doing and how, how are you handling? You know, like I said, I, I said, I'm super blessed and, uh, you said there were trial and tribulations, there, which there were. There were a few uh, times where you know we were pregnant and then we we lost the pregnancy, and that was that was a lot of men- mental things that we had to get through as well as emotional. Uh, but together, I mean, we can definitely do anything, and so we were able to get past that. And I I kept telling my wife, and and it's kind of like a thing that you have to continue to tell each other that the next time it's gonna be it's gonna be there. You know, it's mm-hmm. the next time. 
God always ensures that when it's the right time, it's the right time. And yeah. And now's the right time, you know, so uh, uh, just mentally, emotionally, I think we've been doing really good. Uh, We're just now to the to the point where I feel like it's going to be more real for me, you know, just because knowing the gender. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's been like super real for her, obviously. Uh, But, you know, just as as a guy, like you said, it's not something that you can really connect to just super emotionally just right away. There's times where I'm just like, gosh, why? Why do I feel like? I'm having a kid, but I'm not having a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like until like, when do I, when do I really feel like it sets in and it gets super real? And I, I feel like there's different steps. And I think this next step of finding out the baby's gender is one step where it gets close to where it's like, wow, this is real, you know? Um, so yeah. So team boy, let's go. (laughs) Let's go baby. Well, I would just say, enjoy, you know, the time while she's pregnant and you're not, and the baby's not here yet. Cause it's kind of like, you know, the last dance almost yeah. where you get this different type of freedom that you'll never have again because there will be a whole new responsibility in life. So understandable. Enjoy it, my friend. Well, let's get into the podcast today. Let's. Like I said, we have another special guest. I'm super excited to have this guest on the podcast. I think she's going to bring a fresh perspective on different journeys through life that she's been through as, as well as the different awesome things that she's wanting to do for this community and just all over the place. So I'm going to introduce today Malia Grigsby. Welcome. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on here. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm Like I said, I'm excited to have you on. I think you're going to be the youngest guest that we've had on the podcast, the first (laughs) college student on the podcast, um, which is all awesome. You know, you go to Augustine University. Yes. And... I'm just excited to hear all the things that you're involved in, all the things that you're really wanting to do as as well as your journey. I am as well. I am as well. Yeah. And so let's jump into that there. You know, just as far as the journey, um, you know, we kind of took you through the kind of the format on how we do this podcast. And each start of the podcast, uh, we, as well as our listeners and viewers, they get to learn quite a bit about um, our our special guests because they kind of deep dive into uh, their background and kind of how they grew up and how they were raised and where they came from, you know. So why don't you kind of dive into that for us? Because there's not a lot that we know about you and and we've been dying to know more. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I'm from Kansas City, Missouri originally. Um, Missouri, not Kansas. <laughs> okay. Uh, big difference. Yep. <laughs> uh, home of the Chiefs. I'm a big Chiefs fan. But yeah, so I've kind of been in this space for a while now. So I, I'm a very ambitious person. I love just being a go-getter and just getting after things. You know, I think back to when I was in middle school while everyone else was playing sports and doing all the things and I was doing that with them. Um, but I also lived a whole life outside of school and I was constantly pursuing my career, not because I was pushed into it because of my parents, but because I had a deep passion for it at a young age um, and a deep passion for wanting to better the world around me. And I I feel like I've been really blessed and not only do I have the skills and the talents to be able to do so, but I'm, I'm blessed in that I can help other people see the potential in themselves and draw that out of them. And like, um, and I think that's a really, really special quality. So yeah, I, I grew up, I went to private Christian schools all my life. I, and I'm at a private Christian college now too. Grew up in a pretty, like I'm three fourths black, but I'm one fourth white. Um, but I did grow up in a very white environment, white churches, white schools, white, you know, just the world that I lived in. Um, and so it's been really fun this year though. I'm part of journey scholars at Augustana. Mm -hmm. So it's for those of minority world majority people, um, to get to come together and have a brotherhood camaraderie and like just a space that we can help support each other in the world that we live in. Um, and so it's been nice to get to access a different part of my identity. Um, Mm. something that's kind of been hidden within me for so long. You know, I used to be scared to go to school with my natural hair or like 
Um, even just my senior year of high school, like it was a big deal. I did like box braids for my prom, my senior really? prom. And like, yeah. I was so scared of what my friends are going to say and <laughs> right. think. Um, but like, it was, it was part of my identity just coming out. Um, sure. just a whole new level of that. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about like my background, my home life and everything. I want to stop you there. Cause I want to go back a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned at a young age, you were you know, in school and you're in sports, but on, you were also pursuing your career at a young age. What, what does that look like? Exactly. Yeah, it looks like a crazy life. <laughs> right. I'm, I, that's what I'm thinking. So right. it's like, how did, like, how exactly were you pursuing your career and how did you get involved in doing that? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I owe a lot of my success to my dad. My dad is my ride or die partner in crime. Um, he has opened up so many doors for me and connections for me. Um, and he's always, you know, any questions or anything, like if I ever wanted to sit in with him at work or anything right. like that, he's always let me come in, be curious. He's embraced my curiosity because I think he's kind of seen like himself in me. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And he was kind of the same way growing up, but he didn't necessarily have the same kind of parents to like foster that and grow it in sure. a healthy way. And so my dad really has helped me quite a bit. So yeah, That's I, awesome. I did, I did soccer and volleyball all <laughs> through high school and middle school and I yeah. loved it. But at the same time, I was, I had so many different job shadowings and internships right. and, okay, you know, volunteer yeah. positions and everything. Right. Um, and it wasn't, it was never this like identity thing of like, oh, I have to do this so that I look good for people. And like, that was something that I started to come into like in high school. I did struggle with that a little bit, yeah. but it never started out like that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, That's yeah. awesome. Well, that, I think it's really cool. And I think it speaks to, you know, really the power of not only your parents being there, but your father, mm -hmm. you know, your father being in your life and being able to pour, you know, the resources that he's built and and connected with and being able to pass it on to you and help you. What is it like, you know, growing up in an environment with a uh, you know a black father mm -hmm. and a white mother were you ever kind of exposed or encouraged to explore the black side of you yeah so my mom is actually mixed as well so okay. she's half black half white and okay. so that's something that's on both sides of our family which is interesting but like my dad's side of the family even though they're all black mm -hmm. like it's been a different kind of like stereotypical black, like sure. they're, they they mm -hmm. don't necessarily fit the stereotypes. Um, they're doctors and lawyers and police mm -hmm. officers and doing amazing life changing things in the world. Right. Um, but they don't necessarily fit the stereotype. And so, but then like my mom's side of the family, I, it's very broken and we like to say it's colorful. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, but you know, they do fit the stereotypes there. So it's been this interesting for me at this like internal conflict of trying to figure out what is black actually mean for me mm. and like how do I access that part of my identity without making it like my whole identity because like I'm more than just who I am like ethnically right, for sure but like that is still part of me mm -hmm. um so that's been a really interesting balance that I don't think I've even started to really come into until this past like six months that's, that's awesome yeah well good I'm glad you're able to get more into that now. right and and actually I want to deep dive into that a little bit more just because when I look back to growing up into in a black family and then of course being adopted by an all-white family I felt like in the beginning of each, I had to figure out a true identity, you know, and I felt like in the very beginning, I kind of portrayed someone that I wasn't. And so it was tough for me to just air myself out of who I truly am. And that wasn't only for, of course, the white family, but it was also for the black family as well, um, because I had cousins and whatnot. They're just like, I mean, you hear like the the typical saying of wow, I mean, that sounds very white of you, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, whether I'm speaking full sentences, I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. Black people speak full sentences as well, just like I do. I mean, we're all intelligent. So just for you, did you ever really have a time where, of course, you went from one family to the other, and then all of a sudden, you're just like, geez, I just need a I need to be myself, period. Most definitely. There's the movie Green Book. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the, one of the quotes from there that I just started weeping as soon as I heard it, mm. um, but it says that like, if I'm too black to be white and I'm too white to be black, then what am I? And that is something I know every single like mixed person, every single like 
overly intelligent, African-American. Like, it's a complex that all of us struggle with. And it's this understanding of we're not supposed to, like, no no one is supposed to fit into a box. Like, we are mm-hmm. all beautiful, like, melting pots. And, like, it. that's the beauty of humans is, like, we're not Absolutely. all the same. We're not supposed to be categorized in any way like that. Unfortunately, it's also part of the human brain to categorize people right. um, and to put yep. people in boxes. But... I absolutely have found that where even especially like with friends um, Mm -hmm. where I'll go to like different friend groups with my youth group. It was a very like it was in the inner city. It was around a lot of like black people, Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you know, gang stuff was happening either around us or like family members of my friends, whatever, were in gangs. And so I felt myself slipping into just a different kind of personality. I'm like, I don't even recognize myself. Like, who is Mm -hmm. this talking? Mm -hmm. But then when I went to school, I went to, you know, a classical education high school where it's like very poised and proper. And like, you know, we wore uniforms and plaid skirts and everything. And that was a whole other side of me where I was like, okay, I'm being torn in two different like directions. Right. Who, who is the real me at this point? And it was less of I want to be me and me questioning, like, what is it mean to be me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I really struggled with. And now I'm just like, I don't, I don't even care. Like, right, you know, if right. I wake up one day and I decide to, like, talk like this and the next day I talk like this, like, oh, well. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's powerful. And there's a few things I want to touch on. But in that aspect of I, I relate being able to go from one group of people to another group of people and another group of people. And you almost find a way to fit in regardless where you go. So I I think that's really powerful because of that identity that we're not really sure. We don't really know our identity completely, especially as we're growing, you know, and I think that that also points to just naturally how it's kind of like survival, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't really know any other way other than to just try and fit in. But once you do start to find yourself, I think it's really powerful because you've already tried to be so many other things. It gets to a point where you're like, who am I? What am I even doing here? Right. And on top of that, you know, going back to stereotypes and stuff like that, I think we need to take a, you know, step back and think about like, who's writing these narratives or like, who's creating these narratives on what a black person should sound like or look like, right. Or what a white person should sound like or look like. I think that was something I heard today. And it's actually from Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. it's kind of far-fetched to tie it into this but it came out that he announced that he was leaving golden state when he did on his own platform because he wanted to be the person creating the narrative right mm-hmm. and there's so many different factors that want to tell you what you are and again put you in a box but we're so different especially um when you are mixed and you come from so many or have the experience of both sides mm-hmm. i think it makes you a secret weapon really yeah. you know what i'm saying so totally. i think that's awesome but it's definitely challenges in that as yeah, well absolutely. there is there is now of course going to a private high school correct mm-hmm. can you tell me the experience on that i went to a public high school i felt like being in a public high school i was exposed to many things now i'm assuming as far as being in a private high school you may come around I mean, something completely different. So I just want to know kind of your perspective on growing up in the private high school. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually attended two separate private high schools because um, one was in Kansas City. And then my junior year when we moved here, I attended Sioux Falls Christian here. And so my experience in Kansas City was very different. It was a teeny tiny little baby school. Um, There were only 11 students in my class, including me. So there was a lot of different dynamics that both positive and negative dynamics that came with that, Um, you know, more one-on-one time with teachers, relationships that you had with your classmates were a lot tighter, but it also caused for, if there was any kind of conflict, like everyone was off that day, you know, like no learning was actually happening that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did struggle. Like there were times that like, you know, we would have little fights or whatever within like, you know, outside of school hours and you could just feel the tension in the room, whatever. But there also was an amazing, like we were super tight and like those were my siblings when I was attending that school. Um, And so that was a very different experience than my experience here at Sioux Falls Christian because, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it is a larger school compared to what I was used to, even though there were only about a hundred students in my class, like that was 10 times the amount of what I was used (laughs) to. Um, And so it was very different. It felt more like a public school to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Even just the education style. I, 
I'm someone that just loves learning. I really do love learning, mm-hmm. but not in the public school type way. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> I loved having the classical education and that's why I chose a liberal arts college now. But having just the, you know, here's all of this information and then just tell me all of the, you know, I don't need to know mm. when George Washington rode a boat. Like, I don't need to know the date right. of that. Like, yeah. that's not important to, right. to me. Mm-hmm. Um but understanding why he rode the boat or like what his end goal was or like what can we take away from mm. that? That's what I love doing. Like deeper thinking. Absolutely. Like the that. critical thinking, the problem solving, like that's, I, oh, I light up with that kind of stuff. Right. Absolutely. And so what can you tell us that you take from that now coming into college? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's shaped the like the classes that I want to take now. One of my history classes is very much the like, traditional style here's all of these dates and everything and just Mm. memorize them I cannot stand that class (laughs) I I can't stand it but I'm also able to think more intelligently and think Mm. deliberately um, and have intentional conversations um, with both inside and outside of the classroom so Mm. I think it's actually shaped more of my relationships with people rather than necessarily Mm. how I do in class or anything like that I do love my classes that we get to just like discuss different things or like talk about different lessons and everything that we've taken out of like books that we're reading or whatever but I think about different like philosophical or even theological like conversations that I have now Um, we'll just literally it'll be like one or two in the morning and we're just talking about like Jesus exists. No, he doesn't. And like, but in a like kind, respectful, like understanding kind of way, not this arguing Mm -hmm. over like without any facts or anything like that. That's dope. I always love those conversations as well. Cause you know, those thought provoking conversations are like what I live for almost, Mm -hmm. you know, like I hate, I really do not like small talk. (laughs) And that's one reason why I really enjoy the podcast is being able to talk to people about their stories and their journeys but oftentimes it doesn't feel long enough right Mm -hmm. just an hour because we don't really get to always get as deep into the conversation that you know i would like into those really kind of deep questions but Mm -hmm. um from there though i want to go into where you're at now Mm -hmm. right so you're at augustine university you know you're with journey scholars you help out with the football team and tell us about um, the Smart City Women's Congress. Yes. What is what is this? Oh, I'm so excited you asked. Um, so this is a new project that I started back in June. I had someone reach out to me from San Antonio, Texas, because she knew I had a passion for this since I was in middle school. Tried to get this up and running when I was in eighth grade. The company I was working with, it just didn't quite work out. And I was like, okay, we're going to set that on the back burner for right now, but I know we're going to come back to that eventually. Mm. And so then I joined the mayor's youth council. I was like, okay, this is it. This is my time. Like, this is essentially what I'm wanting to do. Like, it's going to be great. And it was so close to being like the perfect thing. And like, I loved, I loved my experience there. And so much of what I do now is shaped because of that. But I was like, it's still not quite where I need it to be. And when Um, was that? That was my senior year. So that was in 2022. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then when I heard Joyce reach out to me, I was like, okay, this is our time now. And I was like, just giving it to Jesus, praying about it. And like, okay, I trust you. Like, if this is actually supposed to happen now, like you're going to pave a way for it. Right. Um, And then literally a week after Joyce reached out to me, Don Marie was like, hey, I saw that you're in town. Can we meet? I feel like we have some stuff that like we can work on together. And I was mm. like, okay, Jesus, like right. I get it. Like <laughs> this is happening. Um, awesome. And she was like, I have an amazing group of girls that would be so interested in this. And like, I think that we can make something really big out of this. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And so we started it in September. We had like our kickoff in September and it, it's just, it's blowing up already. Um, the amazing support that I've gotten from the community, it's phenomenal. Um, so essentially what our group is, is a gathering of women to come together to understand different civic issues that are going on in the community of Sioux Falls and come up with achievable solutions for those problems. Mm. Um, we have different community leaders that will come in and speak. We'll have different showcases. We have different like teams within the like Congress. Um, there's like research and community outreach, Mm-hmm. Um, there's social media. So it gives these girls practical application of real world like 
work experience. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a resume builder. It's helping them learn leadership skills. It's helping them learn communication skills, um, helping them to like actually know what their values are as they, you know, as they're interviewing for a job and someone says, why should we hire you? Mm -hmm. Now they have like answers and responses that are like, okay, you're crazy to turn down these people now, you know? Um, it's phenomenal. That's so cool. And how did you get connected with them? in eighth grade i mean that's a that's a journey right yes. and to not give up on that is is amazing most definitely and like i said it all goes back to my dad he um had this connection and he was like you want to go intern for them and i was like yeah let's do it mm-hmm. <laughs> um right. i've always said my dad has always like opened up the doors and allowed me to walk through them he's never pushed me through them never you know never forced anything on me but he's like hey there's this really cool door and it's open right here do you want to go through it mm-hmm. um and it's always been my choice to walk through it that's awesome That's really cool. And so with, you know, the Women's Congress, as you're building this, what is what is really the ultimate goal? I know it. I know it's helping people with the, you know, interviews and building their resume and stuff like that. But, you know, if this when this thing is running at top performance the way you would like it, what what do you really see coming from it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, betterment of communities is the biggest thing for me. You know, I. I'm only one person and I can only invest in the community so much and having like-minded people that also want to go out and, you know, they're going to start talking to their friends in different ways. It's a mindset shift and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, so they, my goal is, okay, you have this like training essentially here, you go out, you talk to your people, they either come back and do the same trainings and everything, or they go out and they start talking differently to different people. Um, And it's creating an ecosystem. And Mm -hmm. I I want it to start here in Sioux Falls, but you know, in a perfect world, this would get to be like a national thing. Um, And we are already in the works for making that happen. That's awesome. Very nice. Could you ever see anything like this going international that you would like to do? I would love that. (laughs) More than anything, I would love that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Well, that's awesome. That is, that is. I do have a question with that as well. Just for our viewers and listeners who are looking for something like that, how do they really contact or approach you guys to be involved in something like this? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the best way right now is to um, email us at smartcitycongress23 at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram at scwc23. Very nice. Very nice. I think there's going to be quite a few people that listen to this and have been like in the back of their head, how can I get involved with uh, a very powerful woman's group Mm -hmm. um, and be more involved in the community and whatnot and help myself as well as help others. And so I think they're going to take this and you think you're going to get some more, uh, more people be involved in that group there. So onto our next thing here as well, just with that, just kind of leadership, you know, just as I look back into college, I think you and I were, are at two different levels. You know, when (laughs) I was in college, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was there for, for a good time, you know, for, you know, as, as long as I could remember until I got to about my senior year when I was just like, okay, now it's time to start getting serious, Mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, you're a freshman, sophomore, you know, and you have so many goals like in front of you, so many dreams that you want to accomplish. How do you take on that role as a leader? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's tough. I will tell you, it's really hard. And especially the whole idea of like staying in school is so difficult for me because I'm like, oh, there's so many, like this whole world is open to me. Like if I just, you know, if I drop out, then I could do this, this and this. And it's like, my dad keeps reminding me and my mom too, like, you're getting these opportunities right now because you're still in school. Like mm-hmm. you have to capitalize on that. Like so much of my ecosystem right now is because of Augustana. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I can't imagine doing life without the people that I've met at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's only going to grow over the next three or four years that I'm at Augie. Um, yeah. But taking on a leadership role has been it's been interesting, you know, out of my friend group, I'm typically like the oldest, at least by a year or two. Mm -hmm. Um, and like leadership has looked very different and more, I'm the kind of leader where I don't necessarily dictate everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of what I was saying before, like helping to see potential in other people Mm -hmm. and drawing that out of them. So helping people understand what's within them that will help themselves, like help prepare themselves for their future. Mm -hmm. Um, because we all have the tools to be the best version of ourselves. We just have to have outside people to point that mm-hmm. out to us. Right. Yeah. And when you think about it, right, for you growing up, you know, you've mentioned multiple times how you attribute a lot of up to this point in your life, a lot of things that you've been able to do to your dad. 
And I think the really cool thing when you look at that a little more and then to see you wanting to do the same thing for other people, right? Like that is, I think as a parent, that's what you always want is to create good kids and good people in the world. But for you to be out there and kind of lifting as you climb and helping people out along the way, I think that's amazing, you know, because like Daquan said, in college, and I, I talk about a, you know, same thing with my brother, who um, is a freshman, just like my mindset was completely different. And when I look at your guys' generation, I know you guys get like a lot of hate. And I think the youngest generation always does. But at the same time, I see you guys as amazing. Like you're so far ahead a lot of times than, you know, our generation was at that age because we weren't unless it just was us. You know, (laughs) and it could be, but even the people that I know that were on their stuff were not doing that. You know, they weren't as involved or they weren't as open about the things that they really wanted to pursue, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. It is. It's, it's really evolutionized. I mean, especially just because, you know, when it comes to our parents or our grandparents, I mean, grandparents, I feel like college wasn't like a huge thing where they're like, oh, you need to go to college. No, you know, it was more of go to middle school, then get a job, you know, <laughs> then it went to our our parents. I felt like my mom and whatnot, like it was more of, OK, go to middle school, graduate high school, get a job, you know, and then now it was pushed on to like our generation where it's like the only way that you're going to be able to get a job is if you go to college. And now it's starting to really be pushed out there that one, you don't need to go to college to do your dream job or whatever it is. Um, but it's another accolade to have, you know, on your tool belt, you know, when, when you are in the interview or when you are doing, but on top of that, I think the biggest thing is, and what you're, I see like you're benefiting from it is the people and the relationships that you make during that time in Mm -hmm. college. Um, and that's what we really benefited from as well. And it, it takes you a lot, a lot longer than I feel like, or not longer, but further, uh, than, some people who didn't go to college and then now they're kind of trying to do things on their own, but as like as a team and you have more people around you and people to go to, uh, for questions or for advice and, or anything like that, like it's better for you. You know, mm-hmm. you just, you have that community that's just behind the social you. aspect for sure. It is. Do you see that a lot on, you know, at Augustana, is there a lot of different like events or things that you guys are able to be a part of where you are able to really express, the way you feel even outside of Journey Scholars? Most definitely. There's so many opportunities at Augie. Whatever your interest might be, whatever, you know, your niche is, there's a club for that. There's other people, other like-minded people there. And, like, it's been really special just, like, even living in the dorms. I didn't expect it to be as positive of an experience as it is. Um, But, like, my roommate and I, I was a little nervous. I was like, (laughs) I've known her for, like, three years now, but I'm like, Living together is very different, but, like, now I get, like, separation anxiety from her. I, like, I miss her if I don't see her for too long. (laughs) Um, She's going to Korea to study abroad, and we're like, what are we going to do for three weeks without each other? That's crazy. Or even just the fact, you know, if I'm, like, bored, I'll just, like, go over to the guy's side of the dorm hall or whatever and be like, hey, who's up? Like, you want a game? Whatever. Um, It's special in that there's there is a certain like camaraderie that comes just from being students together and like especially as freshmen like this is our first time experiencing on-campus living and okay we have to like be big grown adults now and like taking care of ourselves and like some people need a little more help with that than others Mm, and like but there's this beautiful like support system that's just at your fingertips constantly yeah right and i think that's that's at most colleges, but I feel like Augustana has a really, really neat way of just incorporating all of, I don't know, just everyone. It seems pretty tight knit. It is. It so really is. another thing I was going to ask you with where you're at now in college, a lot of times weren't able to identify with the black side of yourself. How has going to college allowed you to more so find your identity and really find who you, who you are instead of 
what everybody else says you are type of thing. Yeah, actually your brother and his roommate have helped me out a lot. Really? Yes, most definitely. Even just like, you know, we'll sit in my room and listen to like R&B music or, you know, we'll have like deeper conversations about it or like his roommate um, like has a white family. And so what does that mean to like still be black and like inherit that culture and everything? Mm -hmm. Um, Even little things of like, I'm good at braiding. So like the guys will come to me for like braiding their hair and everything Mm -hmm. like that. It's helped me like understand that this is, this is part of me. And like, this is something that I always strive to be a light in the world. And that's part of my light that I get to shine. Yeah. That's awesome. That is. I love that. Looking at goals, because I feel like someone of your age, you're very ambitious. You're very driven, you know? And I, I feel like most times when someone asks you, Oh, what is your 10 year goal? It's like, what, what do you mean? I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing tomorrow, (laughs) you know, but I just feel like with you, it's completely different. I mean, just from a young age, you've always had an inspiration to be something bigger than what you are and it, whether it's for, for you or for someone else, you know? So I just have to ask when you look five years ahead from where you're at today or 10 years, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I still want to keep making an impact in this world because I feel like that's where not even just my validation, but like it's just within me to, you know, help other people become their best selves Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, just be of service to the world that's around me um, and the community that I'm in. In a perfect world, I'll get to be a chief innovation officer in a public sector. That's like my dream job Okay. Um, just because I love tech and innovation and everything. Um, I'd love to work in a bigger city. What I'm, does that entail, really? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that is just bringing in new infrastructure for the cities um, to help them with technology or mm. whatever it might be. It might be like working with city planners and everything. Mm. Um, but I just I love that world so much, Yeah. which is yet again me following in my dad's footsteps. <laughs> I was just gonna ask i was like hold on does this relate to someone yes my dad was the um chief innovation and technology officer for the city of sioux falls (laughs) yes i love it that's awesome though um but like it's it's so fun and like the conferences that i've gotten to go with him too and like it's not just me like wanting my dad's approval or like which is how my mom's like are you sure about this like this seems like there could be ulterior motives behind that and like maybe it started out by that but now I'm so passionate about Mm -hmm. it so passionate right I love that I have to ask you because your admiration for your father is amazing I hope my kids love me as much as you love (laughs) your father I must say but I don't know if you've gotten a chance to tell him but like what does he really mean to you? Because he's had such a huge impact, you know, Most and still definitely. does. I actually just had this conversation with my dad the other day. I was like, thank you for just being you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. because, and I will say, like, the relationship that I have with my dad now, it's not come easy. And, like, there was a period of time, maybe three, three and a half years ago now, I was not speaking to him. We were not on speaking terms. I was just frustrated and angry with the way that he was relating to me and just not being the kind of dad that I was needing in that moment. But through that pain and that turmoil that we went through, I learned how to, through my mom's like support, I learned how to advocate for myself and understanding, hey, you're not meeting the like needs of your own daughter. And like, mm. you got to flip some things around here. Yeah. Um, and so him and I have put so much work into the relationship that we have now. And like, you know, even it sounds silly, but like, I feel like it set me up for like future, like partnerships and being in a relationship and like, for sure, the fact that I can advocate for myself and know what I need out of a partner, um, out of a supporter, all of that, out of a leader of my household. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've put so much work into it that it just, it's so precious to me. You know, it's like mining for a diamond, right? right. It's so, it's tur- like, there's so much turmoil and everything and it's hard work, right. but it is the most beautiful product in the end. What did that look like? Cause I know for a fact, there's people listening to this that ha- don't necessarily have that, especially from a daughter, mm-hmm. have that positive relationship with their father or oh, the so father funny. figure that they've had. And you're right, it does go on to affect the relationships that they have in the future with other people. So, like, what did that look like? You know, what was your mother saying to you to help you advocate for yourself? Because I think that's the communication piece that we all need, right, is to be able to 
tell people what we need so mm-hmm. that they can treat us the way that we want to be treated. But if we can't, you know, if we can't communicate that, it's it's hard. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, my mom always told me to, like, have your own back. So, like, that doesn't always just look like standing up for yourself, but like rather than outsourcing to fulfill something that's within you, mm. how can you fulfill that within yourself and like right. set yourself up that way you don't like whatever happens around you happens around you and it yeah. doesn't necessarily affect you. Mm. It takes a lot of thought work and it like sure. my mom was a life coach. If you can't okay. tell, <laughs> well, that helps. Right. Most definitely a little in-house therapist all the time. <laughs> it's great. You know, it takes a lot of work and everything within yourself and you have to come to terms with things within yourself. And I had to come to terms with, okay, my dad's not going to be an overly emotional person. Do I wish that he was sometimes? Yeah, I do. But like, that's just not him. Right. And, you know, there's a saying in our house, like, you can't blame a dog for barking. Like, you mm. can't blame someone for just being who they are. Right. And I, I've i learned to take time to understand who my dad is, the things that he can give me and the things that he can't give me. So right. how do I have to make up for that myself, yeah. um, make up for the things that he doesn't, he isn't able to give me? For sure. That's interesting. I think it is an interesting thing that happens as we get older and our parents are no longer like that superhero. They're like humans. And we (laughs) figure out like, dang, like how did you go through everything that you did and still seem to keep everything together? Right. So it is, I think it's something that most people will go through where they're like, damn, like I actually need to learn more about my parents. So I know why they even are the way they are. And it. It's hard at first to like grasp the concept that they even had a life before you, (laughs) which is crazy, (laughs) right? Because it's like, I think about my boys and they're like, by the time they're able to ask, you know, what it was like before I had kids, will I even be able to remember what it (laughs) was like before kids? I don't know. It's, it's interesting as we get older though. It is. It really is. Uh, Just a couple more questions here before we get into our next part of our episode here. Um, one, I really just wanted to hit back on, and that's just with college, just because you really, you truly find yourself in college. You find exactly what kind of group you want to be. Do you, you find exactly how you are truly, you know, um, for someone that's in college and for people that are going through college currently here, what is some advice, uh, for them that you'd say to truly find yourself during this period of their life? Yeah, absolutely. I would say don't put yourself in a box. You know, I went in being the Kansas City football girl that like, I love football. I, I love football. Um, yeah, I could talk awesome. for hours about football. <laughs> but like, I'm not just going to be the football girl. You know, I did like intramural volleyball with people. I did sand volleyball. I did, you know, I've tried out some of the different clubs. I've gone to the different like worship nights and everything. Like, don't put yourself in a box to where you're not willing to like associate with other groups and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see that with some of my friends and like, they just won't like go outside, like get out of their shell and whatever. Right. And like, this is your time to rebrand yourself. This is your time to, you know, step outside of your shell, get uncomfortable, do the mm-hmm. hard thing, whatever. And like, take advantage of that because you are still in the safe place of college and like, we're all just trying to get through it. <laughs> like right. no one's actually paying that close attention to your life. Like if you mess up, like it's, you're totally fine. You're not actually right. embarrassing yourself. Like you're totally fine. <laughs> um, college embarrassment is a very different level of like normal people world embarrassment. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. I really do. Our last question here before we get into the next part of our episode, it all relates back to this podcast here and, and that's overstepping poverty. I think, currently what you're doing, you're definitely overstepping poverty, you know, and you're helping others do the exact same thing. So what I just want to know exactly from you is from your understanding and what kind of definition you give overstepping poverty, what does it mean to you? Yeah. Overstepping poverty to me means, you know, it's not just a lack of resources or access to resources, but it is a mindset. And it's this mindset of when you're in poverty, you're in this mindset of feeling stuck and like you can't you know, you can't necessarily get out from it. And there, that's a real genuine, like, feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but overstepping, that means, you know, outsourcing, doing the uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. I will never forget when, this was a couple weeks ago, I was meeting with Vani, and I was, you know, just complaining to him about everything that was going wrong in my life. And he was just like, oh, good for you. And I was like, you butthole. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like you right now. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it's true. It's like we 
we grow so much because of the adversity that we go through. And overstepping doesn't mean that you're setting it aside and saying that it's not existing. It's saying, hey, I'm getting through this, that I, I'm overcoming this by pushing through. I'm becoming my better self. You have so much more compassion and empathy and you just, you're just better to be around when you've had to go through hard things and like, yeah, to overcome that. Yeah. I need like a mic drop right there. That was, <laughs> right. That was excellent. I, I love it. I love it. But let's take this now into our next part of our episode here. You know, obviously, we've had you on the hot seat. We've been asking you quite a few questions, kind of digging into uh, your background here. Now gives you a chance to dig into Zacchaeus and my background itself. So what this is called is Roundtable. So you go ahead and take it away. Ask us any questions that you have for us. Yeah. So I obviously what I do is really focused here in the community of Sioux Falls. So most of my and same with you guys. Um, So If you had a magic wand to wave, what would be one thing that you guys would change about the community of Sioux Falls? Mm, That's a really good question. Uh, For me right now, it's a big topic that's going on. And we've talked about it with Dawn Marie a little bit. But I think that there is a huge issue in this state when it comes to school lunch, honestly. Mm -hmm. And like the resources when it comes to that, you know, we hear of different states where you know, kids are getting free lunch regardless, you know, and that's something. And and then also when you take the perspective, and I had this conversation with my dad, because we don't always see eye to eye on things, but we're able to communicate about them, you know, most times, which is good. But when you come from a state like South Dakota that feeds the world, we shouldn't have people that are having a hard time when it comes to eating food and having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion personally. So if there was one thing that I would like to see changed when it comes to Sioux Falls in this community, it would be that, you know, in a place with so much money and people that are doing so well to know that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that are sitting there unpaid for lunch. And then in turn, that's coming out of teachers salaries that just that doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. So right. that's what I would want to change yeah, yeah. for me. I think it's going to be more on the representation side. I think a lot of people in the community right now, they they want to do all that they can to reach out and help people, but they're afraid. They're afraid of either what their family is going to think of them, what other people are going to think of them, and they're still fighting a battle inside on what really they're going to think of themselves, you know, um, on that. And that just because when you are trying to help people, you're being very vulnerable. And I think just as a community, uh, there's times where we kind of – put a shield on these people and they're like, you know, you can't come through here and you can't help because I'm doing this. But in reality, we can all become a community and help everyone, you know? And so I think, I think that's something that we've run into quite a few times where there are people who are just like, well, what can I do? What can I do? Well, I mean, you know, you can start by more of just answering that question yourself and just being vulnerable and getting out there and just doing whatever you can. Mm -hmm. I think so many people think that they need to do a lot when really all it takes is for you to do a little to make a big difference. So totally yeah, find a need and fill it. Yep. It's really that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to ask you, what would you change? Well, what would I change? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think I would similar to that, Mm -hmm. um, change the ambition and the mindset of the majority of the people here. in that like, we are all in this together and like, it, it takes a village to raise up a village. Like we, you know, we have the opportunity. Sioux Falls is such a unique culture and environment here. And we have the ability to literally change the world from this small town. Mm-hmm. And there are absolutely amazing people that community leaders that are doing that and fully like capitalizing on that. But I just wish we could get more people involved in that world. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Um, my next question for you guys, kind of touching on what I was just saying, but what do you think it is that sets Sioux Falls apart from other cities? Man, I'd probably just say just the availability for growth. Mm. You know, I think a lot of cities, they grow too fast and then they just become, I mean, just another city. That's it. You know, another city that has high population, another city that has high crime or, you know, a high homeless 
you know, anything like that. And I think as far as Sioux Falls, I think we have a lot of leadership here that continues to allow the growth, but still monitor it. And I think uh, in many cities, they do a poor job monitoring that growth and they allow them to become like a Denver, you know, Um, that's one, one city that I loved going to, you know, just the heart of downtown Denver. And then now I go there and I'm just like, man, what is this? What does this become? You know, I, I, there's human feces that I've stepped on (laughs) there and I'm just like, okay, this is no longer my, my favorite place to go. But as far as Sioux Falls, like I said, uh, there's, there's just so much room for growth here and there's so much potential, you know, and especially for people of our age and, and, and people who inspire to become, you know, leaders and and inspire to become entrepreneurs and, and business owners and whatnot. There's just so much of that here and we're allowing it to continue to grow. We're, we're nursing it, you know? So I think that's, I think that's great for Sioux Falls there. Yeah, I think Sioux Falls, I mean, there's a few different things that I think set it apart. Like when it comes to like wanting to build, uh, whether it's a business or build a family or build your future, I feel like it's a great place because you can get all of those things. It's actually was rated the number one, either most desirable or most affordable places to live in the United States. So that says a lot, but I've said it before. It's one of those places where there's a lot that's never been done. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like it's just open for the taking right now, honestly. And I feel like, you know, with what those guys are doing with think 3d and what's going on at Augie and just all of a bunch of different places within Sioux Falls, I see things just kind of popping up. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, you know, we're getting more, we're building more. You're starting to see more of the fashion stuff with like Tyler Blake and, now there's a new space for creatives and there's, I see a lot of those things growing. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, like I said, I think it's something where this city is kind of for the taken and, you know, even for those that aren't from here, you know, mm-hmm. there's people that can move here and start a business and be operating a six figure business <laughs> just like that, you know, with, pretty quickly, yep. you know, because of the type of economy and, I don't know. It's just one of those places that you always see people come here and they're like not really sure about Sioux Falls. And then they get here and they're like, I like the girls or I want to stay or (laughs) something like there's some reason why they never (laughs) go home. (laughs) And yeah, so Sioux Falls is just a it's an awesome spot. It is awesome. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm a testament to that. You know, I was so mad at my parents. I was like, you're moving me where now? (laughs) I like I we live downtown Kansas City. Like it was so cool. You know, we had a beautiful view of the city skyline where like buildings were taller than 12 stories. Like (laughs) I was like, you're moving me to Sioux Falls. What? No way. I was like, I'm going to hate it here. Now I'm like, don't ever take me away from it again. (laughs) I'm never going back. And I think it's really cool. I think the the most unique thing about Sioux Falls is is that it has no culture, like mm-hmm. no set culture. And right. if it yeah. did, it's gone, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and even more so as certain people get older and aged out, it's going to change even more. It is. You know, so uh, it's really that melting pot. Living in Vegas, it was kind of the same thing mm-hmm. because there was no true culture there. You had people coming from Hawaii, California, all over the world really coming to las vegas so you're in class with people that pretty much nobody in your class is actually from vegas Mm. kind of feels that way now with the friend group and the people i'm surrounding myself with now is most of the people aren't really from here but they're living here and they're from here now so yeah it's it's a it's a great place it is really is most definitely yeah any other questions for us? One more question for you guys. Perfect. Um, so obviously with what I do, I typically work with like the younger generations, my generation. How have you guys seen, you know, different younger generations step up in the Sioux Falls community specifically um, and really making a difference? We've talked about it a little bit. I see it with you. Um, my so having coached middle school football really for like the last five years my first group of kids that I coached are seniors, so they'll be graduating. So it's kind of interesting, but it's also cool to see and have a connection to that younger generation. What I can see most is just kind of from my brother. Uh, My brother is somebody who I think he's beyond his times. Like, I don't know. 
what my parents really did with him, <laughs> honestly, because he's like, he's not like any of us, but he is at the same time. He just has such a unique mind. And I don't know if it's if it's just that generation, because we talk about you and kind of how ambitious you are. And really, like when you think about how you guys were coming up and the things that you were going through as you were young, like super young was, you know, oh, eight, oh, nine, the the market crash and all those hard times and coming out of that is really where you guys started to find yourselves and hitting those crucial ages of middle school and really forming your minds. I mean, they say that those that time frame of your life is when you really get that drive mm-hmm. and like they date it back to your middle school age. So, you know, you guys are special. I think you guys are really special because I see you guys not more so caring about what's and it's weird to say because you guys are like really sensitive when it comes about like <laughs> politically correct things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that it's like you don't necessarily care about the suit and tie, mm-hmm. I guess, is, is what I'm really trying to say. Like you guys more so care about like what's right. Mm-hmm. right. And like, yeah. let's just treat people right. Mm-hmm. And like my brother's a big person who's like forget all the money like why do we have these issues of homelessness and stuff like that so i think you guys care more about the human honestly mm-hmm. than than maybe the dollar yeah. right right which is interesting my question is is i mean define young because i'm i'm not 30 yet i'm still young you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, so that's true so it's yeah i'm so young right? i'm so young out here <laughs> you're a baby to somebody <laughs> right right no but uh the one thing that i truly see um from our younger generation is they're not allowing people to change their narrative. They're, they're able to truly find themselves and truly just go out there and, and, you know, do whatever it is that their heart desires. I think just as far as many generations before we allowed society to shape exactly who we are and pretty much shape the, uh, where we're going, where we're going in life and the steps that we're going to take to get there. Um, just as far as the younger generation, they're, they're able to just go out there and they're, they're building these businesses. You know, like you said, they're, they're able to, you know, help different groups that they want and whatnot. And they don't look back and be like, you know what? I don't think I can do this because my grandpa said that it just doesn't seem like you should be doing this. It's, it's more of, I'm going to do this because I feel like this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And so they're taking more chances. And I think, uh, and many of the generations before us, People didn't take those chances. They allowed either a school system to tell them exactly, you know what, you're going to grow up, you're going to be in the workforce, and you're just going to work for the rest of your life. Where here now, you see all these people who are like, okay, you know what, I don't need to grow up to be in the workforce. And in fact, I don't need to grow up to be able to be that leader to really drive my own workforce, like and have my own employees or anything like that. So I think that's one thing that I truly see, even though there's so many people who give so much like negative things on this younger generation and just and I think one thing that they always say is you know what I I feel like they're the they're fast generation where they feel like you know what when I get to something I need I need it right now I need to reap the rewards right away you know when it comes Mm -hmm. out there but I've been seeing the complete opposite I've I've been uh, you know just approaching so many younger people who just have a vision and they're setting just their goals and their ambitions and they're taking it step by step And I think that's one thing that, of course, that people always fail, you know, do because instead of doing things step by step, they go into it and they're just like, okay, you know what? I put in the work in, so I should be rewarded right away. And people always relate that to the younger generation. I'm just not seeing it. So I think that they do, though. I think that they do. It's like the microwave era. Like Mm -hmm. they do want things super fast. But I think at the same time, that's where like the traditional way of doing things goes out Mm -hmm. the window. Mm -hmm. Because just because it's been done one way for so long doesn't mean that they can't figure out a way to do it in five minutes. Mm -hmm just as good if not better so i think it more so is like the problem solver right like they're right. like yeah that's dumb why are you doing it like that let's do it like this right you but see that's that's the thing though i think where so many people get it confused is is they hear them say you know what i deserve this stuff right now mm-hmm. because we're, we're all becoming more vocal about what we want in life and what we deserve in life 
Instead, you know, they hear them say this, but what they don't see is that they're still putting in the work in every single right. day in and out to get exactly what they mm-hmm. feel like they deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of where I see it. Yeah. What is your perspective on that? I think we are all about efficiency, not saying like the quality has to go out the window because I think we do still like quality, but we are about like being deliberate and intentional, but also efficient. Yeah. Um, if I can get it done in five minutes, I'm going to. I'm not going to take like the long route to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it takes a long route and that's the only way to get there, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to try and find a way that makes it shorter and easier, you know. Yeah. The, it, it might be five minutes this way also, but, you know, there's a huge hill I have to climb in order to get it. So, like, but right. this way, it's all downhill and, like, it's downhill both ways. Like, you know, right. whatever. Right. So it's so, more about efficiency. So I have to ask you, with your mother being a life coach, mm-hmm. do you feel like that is, like, when you talk about the efficiency and stuff like that, do you feel like she's, like, coached you on those things? Yes, most definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> most okay. definitely. Um, a lot of the way that I think about life, and more more so the way that I present myself, um, mm-hmm. has a lot to do with the thought work that I've done beforehand. Right. Um, Growing up and, you know, my mom didn't do life coach training until I was in middle school or high school. Um, And so it was essentially this like family learning experience at the same time. So, you know, as she was learning all this stuff, she was sharing it with me and my dad and my siblings. And so we've able we've been able to communicate our thoughts and our feelings in different ways that have been. I don't know, more beneficial that we've been able to get more positive results rather than, you know, starting a conversation where you're way up here and like, you know, you're screaming and yelling and whatever. It's like, okay, I'm taking a minute. I'm only in control of my own feelings. Like I can't let you, like, it's only me letting you make me feel some way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I have the power to control what, like how I respond to whatever it is that you do. And so, yes, it is constantly my mom in the background. Like I just hear her voice constantly (laughs) yelling at me. (laughs) For sure. No, I, it's valuable. Right. And the reason I asked is because the way you just, I, you're, I can tell that you're a leader and I can just tell the way that you speak about your generation is like, no, like, we're going to figure this stuff out. And it just seems like it comes from a place of like, you know it. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you yep. know what you're doing. Okay. Totally. I love it. Yeah. I love awesome. it. Awesome. Well, we've been asking so much of you for the, from this episode of Overstepping Poverty here. I do just have one more big ask. And that is, what are five tips, tricks, and hacks that you can share with people, you know, in overstepping poverty? Yeah, absolutely. So the first is... Be unapologetically confident in yourself and your value. Mm. This is something that I didn't grow in until probably the last three months. And I've noticed a difference not only in the way that I view myself, um, but even the standards that I have for like the friends that I allow to like be in my life or um, the way I let other people like talk to me and like having standards for the way that people interact with you. Mm -hmm. It's not conceited. It's, you know, we live in the Midwest where it's like, you have to be this Midwestern nice where like, you can't like Mm -hmm. oppose anything that anyone says, but like you start losing your backbone when you do that. So being Mm -hmm. confident in yourself. And I've noticed like a difference in the way that people do treat me. And like, I haven't always had to ask for that. And like, Oh, this is so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, be unapologetically confident in who you are. The second is, you know, you were kind of talking about this, um, fill in the gaps as you see them. I wanted to make the Smart City Women's Congress thing happen from a young age, and I knew that there was a gap there, and I kept trying to fill it, and it was like the hole was getting halfway filled, (laughs) then three-fourths of the way filled, and now I feel like we actually are filling it. Right. Um, So, like, fill in the gaps as you see them. Um, The third is live in the mindset as if you already are where you want to be. Mm. Um, So I'm living in the mindset of I'm already like chief innovation officer in the public sector um, because that's the goal that I'm striving for. When you have that mindset of you're already there and like I feel like God paves our way and he knows the desires of our heart. But like when you live in the mindset of you're already there, there's certain things that you do and you live your life very differently in a Mm -hmm. way that will actually get you towards that goal and get you at least closer to that goal. That's that one of the laws of life. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. Four is immerse yourself in different lifestyles and cultures. Um, Something that I've gotten to do because of Journey Scholars, I've gotten to be friends with people of different cultures and religions and backgrounds and like different home lives and everything. 
um, and getting to compare and contrast that to the way that I live my life, Mm -hmm. um, you grow in so much empathy and compassion and grace. And like, you know, even my conversations with my family now look very different. And because I'm educated on more of like a worldview rather than just my very like Americanized view on the world, you know? And then five is create connections and don't be afraid to take advantage of them. Mm. Um, I moving to Sioux Falls, I was like, okay, like this is happening. I'm going to make the most of it. And I was like, I'm going to go out and meet as many people as I can and, you know, create really strong connections. Um, And as a result of that, now that I am growing my business, I have people that I can actually lean on and ask for their support. And because I created, you know, I fostered that seed at a very like, early age whatever i now get to like lean on those people for sure yeah yeah that that is a benefit when you do plant those seeds you never know when you're gonna need them right absolutely or when they'll be ready for you to pick the fruit absolutely it's powerful that is that is and that was a, a very good uh five tips tricks and hacks there we definitely appreciate you giving those we appreciate all the information that you've shared so far um on our episode and zakia said it right in the beginning you know, to have someone that is, you know, in their young collegiate career, you know, and just going through the things that we already went through mm-hmm. um, and many other people who are listening to this podcast is just it's very valuable, you know, when it comes to that, as well as it's valuable to those listeners out there right now that are in college and they're trying to find their confidence and trying to figure out how they're going to grow themselves and help grow other people as well. Um, so it, it, it's just huge. It's and kudos to you to, to taking the time to come onto the podcast and be vulnerable and talk about yourself um, talk about the things that you're doing within the community. So uh, again, I, I can probably go on all night just yeah. giving you praise, but um, very awesome of you. So yeah. I think it's awesome. Uh, just kind of a message to yourself and that younger generation that you guys are like the way I look at it. And we're one of the younger generations, but we're not the youngest. Right. right, right. Um, but the younger generation sees what's really wrong, mm-hmm. right, with society or the way that things are happening. So I think it is important to bring them into conversations so that we can get that fresh perspective. You know, if you're in a house that stinks, you won't know it stinks if you're always there, right? Right. But when the homie comes over and he's like, bruh. <laughs> Yo, it smells. It smells like <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, So it's that perspective, right, it a is. fresh uh, in that situation, a fresh nose to let you know that you should stink. Um, but exactly, exactly. So, oh, thank again. you again for yes. coming on to the podcast. Yeah. It was special to have you, and look forward to um, helping out in the future. Yeah, thank y'all both so much. This Absolutely. has been precious time. Absolutely, yes. thank you. Until next time, we'll see you next week on Overstepping Poverty. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.